0: living. Some people can't go to work. Those with with small children have now had to learn what a homeschool. How do we keep these kids educated while they're at home and while um, needing to work and keep things going? We've had to consider what this world might look like without toilet paper it's like, what in the world? I mean, all of a sudden, there's toilet paper back, not yesterday, right? Like, I don't know what it is that panic means you got to go buy all the toilet paper. I don't know if there's some secret cure in um, Charmin that we don't know about, and that's why everybody's emptying the shelves, but that seems to be something in play. We're trying to subdue this disease. There's far more that we don't know than what we do know. We have competing opinions from credible scientists, and it's just like, nobody knows. What's true, but in the, even in this context of what we don't know, there's some things that we do know, and here's what we know: God is still seated on His throne, the same place He's been for all of history in all of time. He's not caught off guard; He's not caught by surprise. And we believe that even in the midst of devastation, that He is here, that He is present, and that He's working. And when things are confusing or unsure, our opportunity there's not a greater opportunity for our faith than when we go through things that we don't have the answers to because all of a sudden we've got one place that we can go and I think that the current world that we're living in is showing us one thing for certain and that's the only thing that's certain is God everything is changing the news vacillates from one to the other but God stays the same and I want to introduce another idea to our thought patterns in this time is that historically in times like this times where human wisdom is exploited to be limited, right? Because it is. When self-reliance isn't enough, which you can't get us out of the pandemic, I can't get us out of the pandemic, but there was a time recently where we were making all of our own decisions and, and taking charge and calling the shots. All of a sudden, what we've realized is that we can't even do anything ourselves. We, what happens when we get to the end of ourselves, like when those realities come into play, they're usually followed by seasons of people realizing that the thing that they've been needing in their life the whole time was God because there's no other answers. Nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else can bring peace. Nothing else can bring understanding except for the presence of God, which can usher in a powerful move of God. So what if in the midst of all of this confusion and all of this chaos, what's really happening under the scenes is God is working. And God is preparing because, friends, there will be life after all of this. 2020, we're already halfway through it. Can you believe it? And there is life on the other side of all of these things. And if that's the case, what if right now God is working strategically to build his people in strength? What if he's preparing a movement of his spirit that brings people into his kingdom like never before because everywhere we turn, people don't have answers and they don't know where they should go. What if this season is something that God's using to make us stronger? To make us stronger. What if in the midst of this pandemic, what about us? What about you personally? What if God's building you to be stronger than you've ever been before because he has something prepared for you on the other side of this that's gonna be a presence of peace, that's gonna be a presence of his power, that's gonna be a source of blessing for the world. And then I wanna take it a step farther. I want us to think specifically about our families. What if there's something that God is doing in our families right now that's making our families stronger? What if our families could actually be a remedy for how God wants to bless the world and rebuild things after this pandemic? I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair idea. So what if we were open to the fact that God right now is actually, though we feel weak, though we feel confused, what if the opposite was actually true and God was using the things the enemy means for evil, for the good of his creation, and he's preparing our families to be stronger than ever, even this summer, even in the confusion, even as the plans that we've made are having to pivot again. What if our families are being made stronger? So this morning, I just want to talk about the idea of stronger families. And I've got a few words. I got some strong words to build stronger families. Okay. So I got a few of those. And, um, there's going to be some Bible verses up on the screen for you to follow along. And these are just some ideas that I think are, should be encouraging to us. Some of them may be a little tough. Some of them may have to go, Ooh, I I don't know that hurts a little bit. That challenges me. And if that's the case, I want to say to you, good, we need to be challenged. We need to be pushed. We need to be confronted with bigger realities than what we're fighting for and working through even now. So the first word that I have for us this morning, strong words for stronger families is function. The word function. And I know that's not, like a very, like, exciting word, right? It just sounds really methodical. The engineers are going, yeah, of course, function. Everybody needs function, right, Herman? Like, he's excited. He's smiling behind his mask. I can see the energy oozing from his from his face. Function. So let's talk about function for a minute. And I just wanted to point some things out for us. Families are not some incidental evolution of humanity. We didn't just end up in this little group of people for the sake of our own pleasure and delight. The family is a strategic and intentional part of God's creation. God created the family for specific function. And we see this idea supported in Genesis in Adam and Eve and then again in Abraham. So I'm going to read, first of all, from Genesis chapter chapter one in verse 26, and it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So I want us to notice a few things about that passage before we move on. First of all, families were created to multiply image bearers of God in the earth. So the reason that we have kids is not because there was something missing or or because we felt like we were supposed to or there's cultural pressure for us to do so. God designed families on purpose to multiply his image in all of the earth. Families are a reflection of God's image. Families were made to reflect God to the world. How does a world in need of God know about God? Because God put his people in the context of families there to reflect his image part of a function. People, if we were living faithful, if we were a people living a better life than everybody else on the earth, the other families are going to look to the people of God and go, that's better than anything else that I've seen. And I've seen a lot of things. There's a lot of things competing for my attention, but the family can function as a reflection of the image of God. Families are how God planned, planned for order to be maintained in the world. This idea of stewardship, God created all things. Everything that we have here is something that God has placed on the planet. And God put families in place to organize those things, to manage those things, to leave those things, to make sure that those things could be used for all of God's creation. God put everything here that we need for life and godliness. And he puts it in the hands of the families and says, use this to bless the world. Way back in Genesis chapter 1, God was ordaining families for important function, reflecting the image of God and for stewarding the resources of God. And then later on in Genesis, we're introduced to a guy named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. and, And God invited Abraham. He said, look, I know you don't know me, but I'd like for you to trust me and I want you to leave this place and follow me and I'm gonna make you into a great nation, a great nation that's gonna bless the entire world. He said that he would make him a blessing to all the people of the earth. And there's this journey starting in Genesis 12 and it's still going through all of those subsequent chapters. And then in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, uh, it says this, it says, all of the nations of the earth, he's talking, God speaking to Abraham all of the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. That's a big vision. All of the people of the earth are gonna be blessed by your descendants. What are the descendants? That's your family. That's your family. What if that was true of your family? What if you could receive that as a word from God and God's saying, hey, your family, your family's gonna be a blessing to the entire world. Do you have a faith big enough to believe that? Are you open to that reality? I believe that's the example that God gives us for families. In other words, it's this God's function for our families is to reflect His image, to multiply the mission of the gospel, and to bless the world. I just wanna say that again. The God's function for your family is to reflect His image, to multiply the mission of the gospel. And to bless the entire world. That's why God, that's God's function for families. God has a vision for your family. There's something greater for your family. There's a higher purpose. It's not just this group of people eating the same food and and living from the same bank account. And living individual lives. Your family is strategic. There are things that he wants to accomplish to bless the world as a result. Just of you being a family. And along the way, culture confuses our idea of function. The world invites us into a lot of other functions that may or may not be consistent with God's function. And we need to make sure that as a family, we're not being more influenced by our fear of missing out than our fear of God. As families, we need to make sure that we're not being influenced more by our fear of missing out than we are fear of God. We don't have to do certain activities just because somebody else is doing them. That's become the new normal and we need to fill every waking moment with extracurricular activities. That, that take money that we can no longer give to the kingdom. And it's like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things. I'm not sh- I'm saying we shouldn't have events and there's nothing inherently wrong. Everything that God created is good, but I want us to ask some questions. What's our motive? What's our why? Are we more motivated by the pressure that we feel from a society that tells us if we're not doing this, then we're not adequate? Are we more influenced by being faithful to God's function for our family? I think we're in a dangerous time as parents, as leaders of families, because I think one of the most dangerous things we can do is make our kids feel like they are the function of the family. We can elevate the activities of the kids and we want our kids to have all of these things and we want them to be successful and we want them to be happy, which are all good things. But if our entire family life revolves around the function of the kids in the family, then we could be confusing our function for God's function because our families exist for things higher than our kids. We want our kids to have things. We want our kids to have opportunities, but more than anything, we want our kids to have God. We want our kids to understand their place in the kingdom of God. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. Are we more concerned with giving our kids a life we wish we could have had? Or are we living out our God-ordained function as family on this planet? Think about pre-COVID for a minute, if you can. Like, good Lord. I don't even remember what it was like. What did we do in February? I don't know. I used to travel, like I, I said this last week, but it's like, I spent most of my, I spent most of the last six years on an airplane one or two times a month. And it's like, I haven't traveled since January. Holly and I had our anniversary yesterday and we ran away to the Woodlands for a couple of days in a hotel and I was like, I, I don't even remember how to pack a bag. It's been so long. It's is so foreign. I lived out of this suitcase for six years. And now it's like, I overpacked. Like, I didn't know what to bring. I didn't know what to do. It was traumatizing. But think about if you can back to this life that you used to have, that you used to live. I want us to think back. Did our family rhythms at that time, did they help us to, Or did they hinder us from living on mission together as a family? Did our life rhythms help us live according to God's function at family or were they hindering us from living on God's mission and function? Are we more motivated by the American dream of get everything that we can? Are we more interested in the kingdom dream of blessing the entire world as a function of the reflection of God? God's function for your family is to be a blessing to other people. And I will tell you this, friends, we need missionaries at, at soccer. We need missionaries at club volleyball. It's important. That can be an important function. Of the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying don't do things, I'm just saying while you're there, look around to where God's placed you. What are the opportunities for building his kingdom that your family is there to function by? Your family is designed to be a blessing to other people. And maybe that's where you're called, but maybe you're also called to some other things. Want to tell you a quick story about some friends of ours. And our friends are called the Harpers. And we met the Harpers um, in Ukraine, as you do. Um, somebody was reading our blog and somebody was reading their blog. And then they started sending us emails. And it's like, hey, you guys are from Texas. They're from Texas. You're adopting in Ukraine. They're adopting in Ukraine. You guys should be friends. And we're like, because that's how it works. That's just what you do. And so we, uh, re- we we got our Ukrainian phone numbers exchanged through this person who was in our church in San Marcos at the time. And we... We met up at a coffee shop, um in Kiev, Ukraine, and we had coffee. And uh, guess what? We became fast friends because that's what happens. And so we, they were, um, they, and they're amazing people. And here's what I love about them is that they're from West Texas. At the time, they had seven kids, count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Like that is a full function for the mission of God already. Can I get an amen? And so they were busy following God's faithfulness in their family when God called them to something else. And he started to speak to them about special needs children. And they felt called by God to go to Ukraine and adopt these two young men with Down syndrome, these two precious boys who were being mistreated. And I don't know if you know this or not, but around the world, there's not really a model of special needs care. And so when you're walking down the streets, you don't see people with special needs because it's often associated traditionally with some kind of curse or some kind of fault. And so it's better to not let that be seen in public. And so the special needs people people are on the outskirts. They're, they're hidden in, in cultures and, and then there's not resources to take care of them. And so it's very common for people with needs, even something like Down syndrome to die in orphanages because they don't get the care that they deserve. But God called this couple from West Texas who already had a very full quiver and said, go get those boys and they got them and they brought them home. Mom's a nurse, dad's an entrepreneur. They they're not like superhero, church missionary, something. Just the most amazing people who just go day by day following God's plan. We talked a little bit a couple years later. We got a phone call and they're like, "Hey, we think God's calling us to Africa." And it's like, "Are you kidding? To Africa?" And they're like, "Yeah." And so through our organization, we started talking with them and they they raised some money and they went to missions training for a year and then they ended up going they wanted to go to South Sudan, but there was a war going on at the time, right as they were about to go. So they couldn't get there. So instead they got as close as they could, which is in Northern Uganda. And they were working with Syrian refugees in that location. And they do hundreds of things that are amazing. So now they went from family of seven to family of nine and they just go about ministering in the community. They, they help people have job training. They help people with administration and and work, and they're going and preaching in refugee camps and caring for um, other people, and they help start a hospital for special needs children because that was very close to their heart, and they continue to do that, but my favorite story about them has nothing to do with them. It has to do with one of the boys that they adopted from Ukraine, and, um, And they told us this story that he was just going into town and they were going to the market and all of a sudden their boy took off in this direction and they're like, where are you going? And where he was going is that he, he saw another young man with down syndrome and he saw him and he ran to him and he hugged him and he made a friend, a friend that had not been made by any other people because culture did not know what to do with this young man. And I just think, this is the kind of thing God does, friends. What are the chances that two former Ukrainian orphans who nearly died in an orphanage adopted by two people in West Texas who had no prior connection to Africa, get called to Africa. They want to go to South Sudan. God pivots them to Uganda, sends them to this village where they're having an incredible, profound impact on the world, reflecting God's image to these people so that this this precious child with Down syndrome could fulfill his own missional function of God and that he could bless this person on the other side of the world, that the odds of him ever being in this place at this time are literally impossible, except for one family was willing to embrace their function, to live as a reflection of God, to carry on and multiply the mission of God, and to be a blessing to all of the earth. How does that happen? Simply because you say, I'm willing for that to happen in my life. I take the position of God, I'm open to that. The second word I want us to look at is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Because it's one thing to agree, right? Hey, God's function for families is to bless the entire world. It's, we can, nobody's going to go, I don't think so. But the next thing is this, but what's our level of faithfulness to that idea? What action are we willing to put into that reality in the context of family, There are a lot of strong opportunities for faithfulness. And I think that this may be where things are really hard right now. What does faithfulness look like to our families right now when we're in just like this survival mode mentality? I got three things I wanna talk about under the area of faithfulness. The first one is this, spiritual faithfulness. Let's look at spiritual faithfulness. Last week, we talked about our stronger father and how Jesus is our example. And his explanation was that all he does is see what the father does. And he, he does that. I just do what I see my father doing and I reflect that to the earth. So he gives us this example. As leaders of families, I think there could be a lot of pressure because it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be a good father. I don't know how to be a good mother. I don't know how to be a good sibling. I don't know how to be the best. Sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's really hard and the answer to being faithful is not having all the answers. The answer to being faithful is knowing who does have all the answers. And that's God. Our stronger father has shown us everything. Your spiritual faithfulness, however, is a prerequisite for your family's faithfulness. Your family will not be faithful to their function unless we take seriously our own opportunity for faithfulness in a spiritual sense. We like coffee in our house, and it's like, all right. Like, we like fancy coffee. We enjoy fancy coffee, like, with the art and the things. And we like good coffee from good places. And I know I'm about to get judged by, like, every millennial that's going to listen to this. But, but more, day, more than we like fancy coffee, we like fast coffee. And so what that means is that we are big fans of the Keurig machine. And, like, we are breaking in our pretty sure it's our sixth Keurig. Like we wear these things out now. Now we have four out of five our coffee drinkers in our house. And it's like, I mean, you just, you know that there's better coffee out there. You know, there's an opportunity to give it. Like you just get it. There may or may not have been a time in our our life where like one Keurig wasn't enough. Like there was two Keurigs in our house because God forbid we have to walk all the way into the kitchen and wait that long for a cup of coffee when we can have a single serve Keurig right there in our bedroom anytime that we wanted. That's important. Like fast coffee was greater than fancy coffee for us. Don't judge me. But here's the thing. Like hell hath no fury. Like when you go to the Keurig machine, you pick out your favorite Renaissance camp coffee, coffee mug. Right, Chris? Right? And you put it under the thing and you get your K cup out of the little basket and you lift the thing, you put it in there. It makes that beautiful... And you're like ready to go, hit large, hit the button, and only to find the person before you used all the water and didn't fill it back up. Because now it's like, where's my fast coffee? Now I've got to take 42 seconds and I've got to take the reservoir and I've got to go over here and walk a step and a half and fill it up right? It has a filter in there, so don't freak out about tap water that we're using for the thing, right? And so we put the reservoir back on there, and then it's like, I got to wait for it to <sharp inhale> gurgles, and it heats up, and like, my, my coffee, like, it just didn't come. And while I'm judging every possible person in my family who probably used that that, that water with the full weight of every condemning thought I have, and they know that it was most likely me who didn't fill up the thing, so it's my own fault. But it's just like, what in the world? Like, I go, so it's like, I want the coffee when I want it, but then there's just times where it's like, it, the, it's not able to be what I want it to be. And I just, there's, the source is limited, Right? And I just kind of think that's like our spiritual life. There's times where we, we go to the source and it's full and we walk away with there. It's like, oh, we've got this amazing experience. We've got this amazing instruction. It may not be fancy. It may not be this amazing presence of God burning bush, but we go to Him, we experience Him and we walk away knowing that we've, we've met with Him. But then what happens over time? Like that, that reservoir runs out. And then when we go back, it's like we didn't have the same experience. It's like we didn't make room for this. Like we didn't we weren't able to sustain that on our own. And I want to encourage us with this verse, actually, because I think that we just get that way. Like it's not just up to us to keep making sure that we have all of the answers and to have everything that we need and to fill our own water reservoir all the time. Matthew 6 says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, each day right now has enough trouble of its own. What can we do? I don't know, except for seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Keep going back to the source first. Don't let ourselves get empty. And, you know, we all go a lot of places. And, and you know, now that you go to uh, a lot of places, they're, they're not, of course, you know, millennial owned because they have like espresso machines and pour over drips and things like that. And this amazing coffee. But like when I go to get my oil changed, I guess what they have there, they have a Keurig fast coffee right there for my consumption because I couldn't go, you know, 20 minutes without having another cup of coffee. And so I went, remember this one place I went and I was like, oh, this whole like wall of K-cups. Like I couldn't even imagine having this many in my house. And I got their cup and I put it under the thing and it made the sound and everything was great. And then I pushed the button and it's like, there was something different about this button. And it was like, there was power in this button, like like I had never experienced before, and I was like, "What is that amazing sound?" And so I'm looking behind in the in the oil change place. I'm looking behind this Keurig machine, and you know what that Keurig machine had? It had a direct line to the water line. It had a source that never ran out. You can just go to it, push the button, it's hot, and there's no waiting any time. And it's like, that may be silly, but that's what I think about with Seek First the Kingdom of God. You and I, we keep going back to the pot that we filled up, and it's got some stuff in there, and we try to lead our family, we try to be what we need to our spouse, we try to parent our kids, but the reality is, is that that reservoir, like it's running low, man, and when it runs low, look out. Because then I'm only dependent on what I can bring into the relationship and that's not the nature of God. Spiritual faithfulness is seek first the kingdom of God because he has everything that we need to pour into. So we receive from so that we can pour into. We take forgiveness so we can give forgiveness. We receive grace and we give grace. We receive wisdom because it's not just up to us so that we can impart wisdom. It's not about us, it's about God and everything he wants to provide for us. I think persistent faithfulness as a spouse or parent or child, it's just limited. Without making our own spiritual faithfulness a priority, without the source constantly providing us with that power, without constantly being there every time that we need it, if we're looking to uh, the lesser model, like we're gonna run out of what we need, when that's in place, everything else is possible. So we need to pay attention to our spiritual faithfulness. As we go forward in times of uncertainty, how's your spiritual faithfulness? Do you feel empty? How's your relationship with the source? What are you bringing in in order that you can reflect out what God has shown you? And then the next thing really quick I want to talk about is marital faithfulness. You can't have strong families without strong marriages. And these are challenging times for marriages. Really challenging times for marriages. Research shows that the financial, emotional, and psychological implications of the pandemic are significant. Families were a mess before, but they had jobs. And they had things that they were doing that escapes, we had hobbies. And so there wasn't as much pressure on marriages that weren't strong. And now all of a sudden, when all of those things are taken away and all you're left with is this relationship is exposed. And a marriage that required escaping from is not a faithful marriage. You shouldn't need time away from your spouse. If you do, then there's something fundamentally wrong in that relationship. And under times of extreme stress and challenge is when weaknesses are exploited. Married people that have children, arguments in the family, the source of those arguments, 40% revolve around raising children. 40%. How do you think those are doing now when there's no escape from the children? They're there all of the time, exploiting all of the differences and all of the ideas and all of the tensions and all of of their stress. So if there was a 40% argument rate over children before all this, what do you think it may be now? Research also shows that the other leading causes of arguments, you ready for this? This is, you know, might be fun. Don't point any fingers and don't poke anybody, right? But here are the other leading causes of arguments in household chores. Right? I thought you were going to do that. I thought I was going to do that. My wife and I are going to have an argument about chores after this because car ran out of gas on her way to church this morning. Who was supposed to put gas in the car? Uh, That's probably me. (laughs) All right. So no water in the tank, no gas in the car. You're learn a lot about me today. Um, What else do we argue about? Communication. There's nowhere to hide right now about communication. What else do we argue about? Work. You think arguments about work have gone up or down in the last hundred days. Money, habits. Like if you're married to like a loud chewer, like you had some respite from that and now there's no escape. You're locked in together. So all of those habits, there's issues of commitment. There's arguments about intimacy and there's arguments about personality. If you're married, some of those things have probably multiplied. The tensions are higher. That was the case when we weren't spending 24 seven together. So what's happened now is it's, it's, gotten, it's gotten worse. Globally, hotlines for domestic abuse are up 20%. Research on Googling resources for abused, like on Google, it's up over 20%. They're struggling. Stronger families need stronger marriages and we can't do a whole talk on, on marriage. So I just want to leave you with two verses or three verses. Matthew 19, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let's just be reminded that God's function for marriage is all in for all of life. That's the assignment. That's the invitation. So let's start there. Let's start there. Let's remember that's our source. So how do we work back from that? Colossians one says this, he is before all things and by him, all things hold together. Friends, if your marriage is not being held together, then you don't have it woven through God himself because he holds them together. He holds them together. And if there's stress at home, it's a spiritual faithfulness issue in a lot of ways that needs to be worked out before you have anything that you can put in to that marriage. How's your marriage doing? Would you call it strong? What would make it stronger? What can you do during these times? All those issues, kids, chores, communication. What do you need to dive into that would make it stronger? I wanna talk just a second about parental parental faithfulness. Parental, I'm pretty sure that's not a word. Parental faithfulness. Stronger families need parental faithfulness as well. One of the the dangers pre-COVID is that we had our kids going so many different places that they're getting discipled by a whole lot of different people who may or may not share your values. Can I just remind us, YouTube is a terrible discipler of our children. Predators through social media are not who should be having the loudest voice. Coaches should not have the loudest voice. Teachers should not have the loudest voice. God provides support in a lot of different ways, but God designed the loudest voice for parents to be their families. In Jewish faith, the Shema is taken from Deuteronomy 6 and it just means to listen because the first part of the verse says to listen. It says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is so important that devout Jews still say this twice a day because their job is to remember the essence of their life is based on the one true God. Wake up thinking about it, go to bed thinking about that. But look what it says next. In verse five, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Friends, let's be encouraged. Go all in on God at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. Love him with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Repeat it to yourselves. And then look what he says next. Talk about them or repeat them to your children. Repeat them to your children. Those of you that don't have kids yet, put this in the bank and keep it close because you're going to need to withdraw this verse sometime in the near future. Your spiritual faithfulness is something that should overflow into the lives of your children. We shouldn't just have conversations about the games that they're into or the activities that they're doing first and foremost we should be overflowing the reflection of the image of God into our kids having conversations about God to them talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up bind them as a sign on your hand my girls are not going right now see he says you can get a tattoo that's not what they're saying that means that like they wove them into their clothes Like they wanted the word of God on there. They wove it in there so that they would have constant reminders. They wore special hats and head coverings that the bill of their hat underneath, they didn't say new era and they didn't leave the sticker on. Like they had the word of God written there so that it would be a constant reminder. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Are you getting the picture? Where should the word of God go? Everywhere. Where should it overflow? Everywhere you go. Everywhere you are with your kids. Are we overflowing? Gospel. Family faithfulness means the family is a place of acceptance and empowerment that prepares every member to be ready for God's function. So the question for us, how's our faithfulness to our spirituality, to our spouse, to our children? What adjustments do we need to make to be counted faithful? Faithful. In these last few words, I just wanna go over really fast. There's so much more we could say about them. But remember the first word was function. That was a big one. Have you embraced God's function for your family? Faithfulness. How are you doing with your faithfulness right now? Spiritually, with you and God as your source? With your spouse or in in your relationships if you're not married? Or as parents, as children? How's your faithfulness there? Because here's something we need to wrestle with, and that's the future. God is a God of the generations. He's not just created us to survive this life. He's created us to sow seeds, to build a legacy that'll outlive all of us. The famous verse, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord from Jeremiah. That was written while his people were in captivity. Like we're in captivity. Like our captivity pales into comparison as the captivity of the Israelites. And he said, I know the plans I have for you, hope in the future. He says, but you are gonna have to wait out this 70 years before you're going to see it. For us, it's like we may have to wait out the rest of 2020, but we're going to see it. Can we fast forward? Can we have enough hope and faith in God that if he doesn't do anything else that we can see here in 2020, that we're gonna be ready for the future? We're living for a legacy. Here's another word. They all start with F, right? They have to. Just a preacher thing to do. Failure. You and I fail every single day. We fail every single day. Single day, Psalm seventy three says, "My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my protection, forever." God is bigger than your failure. All I want to say to encourage you about that is, failure doesn't have to be final, and there's always a future after fa- after failure if you're willing to embrace it. Failure affects families. It creates trauma. It creates hardships. It creates difficulty. You're not a bad person because you failed. Because you failed, you're human, and you fail. The thing is, what are we doing with those failures? And when we're trusting God as our source, our failures find forgiveness. They find forgiveness. First John one says, "If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Lamentations three says, "Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. We do not perish." For his mercies never end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. For those of us connecting with this who you know that you failed, and maybe you failed big, I just want to say there's forward after your failure through the forgiveness that God is offering you. Back to your spiritual faithfulness to him. Do you have family members you need to ask forgiveness from? Do you have family members that are hurt you that you need to forgive them? Because one of the things that we receive from God is forgiveness so that we are able to give it to anybody that needs it. Forgiveness is the remedy for our failures. Forgiveness is something we can give freely. And the last thing that we can do, the last strong word is, is fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. What should you pray for? Pray for position that God would position your family for the gospel impact that he created you for, whether that's at the soccer field or club volleyball or, or baseball or right now in the confines of your own home or whether there's Africa in your future. Just pray that God would position you where he wants you to be. One faithfulness, one assignment is not greater than another assignment. They're all God's opportunity for faithfulness. So pray for that position. Pray that God would use you as a family. Pray for provision not just for finances, but for wisdom and for strength. Pray for, for perseverance. Pray that you would have everything that you need to be faithful to what God's calling you to. Pray for protection. Families faithful to God come under attack. They go through unique tests that, that are difficult and hard. So pray for that protection. Don't, don't take it for granted. Gospel of obedience means that you will experience opposition from competing worldly functions, and you need to be ready. So pray for that protection up front because it's necessary and you're gonna need it. And then finally, pray for his presence. Pray that in all of these things, God would feel close, that you would feel comforted, that you would feel encouraged, that you would feel like all of these things can be there for you because they can. Let's bow our heads together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg